Good morning. If you got your Bibles, go to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12. We're going to start at verse 1. When we get there, let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, God, draw us closer to you, God. Let us take this moment to reflect on you, to focus on you, God, to learn of you, God, to love you more, God, to be made more like you. In the name of Jesus, let your words resonate in our hearts, Father God, and help us to do them, to never forget them, God, and to love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 12, we're going to pick up, and we're still talking about walking in the Spirit. And we're going to change and transform and transition a little bit to where I've really been wanting to get. But there's something we're going to talk about today that's not often talked about in church. And it is a great command, I think the most repeated command throughout all the Scripture. Over and over again, through just about every book, we get this one continuing command that is a reflection of godliness that is done is done in obedience to God. But I dare to say most of us obey this command, not even conscious that we're following the command of God. We do it quite often. And with the invention of technology and we've got computers everywhere in our pockets, in our cars. We are always in position to obey this command. It's said very repeated, always done, and it is an expression of godliness. Most of us never even think about we being like God when we do this. And it is something that we neglect to truly cultivate and use as a an expression of our godliness as a manifestation of the Holy Spirit of our life, as a power to transform and to change who we are as people. This command is a real example of living in the Spirit. But I want you to get it. This is a command. This is something God requires us to do. This is something God tells us to do over and over and over again. What is this command? Let's read in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 12, starting in verse 1. It says, These are the statutes and judgments which you shall observe to do in the land which the Lord your God of thy fathers giveth thee to possess it all the days that you live upon the earth. All right, he's telling you, these are some commands that God going to give them, and they need to do them when they enter the land all the days that they live upon the earth. So you shall utterly destroy all the places wherein the nations which you shall possess serve their gods upon the high mountains and upon the hills and upon every green tree. And you shall overthrow their altars and break their pillars and burn down their groves with fire. And you shall hew down the graven images of their God and destroy the names of them out of that place. And you shall not do so unto the Lord your God. All right, we got that command. Basically, everything that they use to worship their false God, destroy it. Get rid of it and don't use that stuff to worship your God. Y'all with me? He's going to keep going. He said, but 
unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes to put his name there, even unto his habitation shall ye see. And thither thou shalt come, and thither you shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices and your tithes and your freewill offerings and your firstlings of your herd and of your flocks. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice in all that you put your hand unto you, you and your household, wherein the Lord your God have blessed thee. So we told him, I'm going to give a place where I'm going to set my name. And in this place, you're going to bring your tithes, you're going to bring your offerings, your herds, your flocks, everything you got. You're going to eat, you're going to rejoice, and all your hands shall to do. This is that oft-repeated command. We still ain't called heaven. Now, we live in the church world. And one of these things we hear, we hear quite often. You come to the church, you bring your tithes. We got that part. Pay your tithes. But put, look what he put with it. So you bring your tithes and your heave offerings and your freewill offerings and your firstling offerings and all your herds and your flocks. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God and you shall rejoice in all that you put your hand to do. So in the mind of God, a part of bringing the tithes, this is what he commanded people now. You bring them, come to the temple, you're going to eat, and you're going to rejoice. You get me? Told them, bring your tithe, bring your offerings, come to the temple, you're going to eat, and you're going to rejoice. This is a part of the command of God. Now we're going to take this journey through the Bible to try to prove my point. You hear me? What he told me to do? You're going to come, you're going to eat, and you're going to rejoice. These are the part of the commands of God. What are you telling the people to do? Now go to Psalms chapter 9. Matter of fact, stop by 1 Corinthians. Not Corinthians, but 1 Chronicles 16. First Chronicles 16. Verse 7. We're going to run through quite a bit of scripture here. Said, then on that day, David delivered first this psalm to thank the Lord into the hand of Asaph and his brethren. So this is a psalm of David. Said, give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him, sing songs unto him, talk ye of all his wondrous works. Give glory ye, glory ye in his name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face continually. Remember his marvelous works that he have done, his wonders in, his, in the judgments of his mouth. So this is a psalm of David. And in this psalm, he start with these declarative statements. Well, more imperative statements, what I mean. He's telling us something to do. You give thanks. We got that. Call upon the name of the Lord. Those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Said, make known his wondrous deeds. You witness, you testify. Then he follows this up in the same list. Sing. Then he tell you again. Sing songs. Talk of all his wondrous works. So this is a command. It has the same authority in the mouth of David as saying thank you, as calling upon his name, as testifying of all his goodness and greatness. He commands you to sing. This is a command of God. Go to Psalms chapter 9. Psalms chapter 9, verse 9. 
So the Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in time of troubles. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Sing praises to the Lord which dwelleth in Zion, declare among the people his doings. When he maketh inquisition for the blood, he remembereth them, he forgetteth not the cry of the humble. So once again, David is telling us to do what? Sing. Lift up your voice, open up your mouth, and sing. And once again, this one is connected to declaring among the people the wonders of God. He's telling us, open your mouth, sing. Let's keep running. Psalms chapter 30. Psalms chapter 30, verse 1. So I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up and hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive, that I should not go down to the pit. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembering of his holiness. For his anger endureth but a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Once again, David, talking about the things that God has done, and he goes from what he going to do, to giving us a command. What did he say? You sing, O ye saints, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. So this is a command. He's telling you, once you reflect and you think about the goodness of God, the holiness of God, you should do what? Lift up your voice and sing. Are y'all following with me? Are you starting to see that this is a command throughout all of the scripture? Go to Psalms 47. Psalms 47, verses 6 and 7. Well, start at verse 5. Say, God is gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet, saying praises to God, saying praises, saying praises unto our king, saying praises. For God is the king of all the earth, saying ye praises with understanding. Over and over again, he's telling us to do what? Sing. And he repeated in that one about six times. Sing, sing praises, sing praises, sing praises. And he gave us a how that time. We sing praises with understanding. So connected with this singing is we sing praises with wisdom. We sing praises with prudence, that there's knowledge behind our singing. It's not just dumb expressions. So when we lift up our voice and we open up our mouth to declare our praises to God, there's meaning behind it. There's, there's thought behind it. It ain't just we caught up in the moment and it's just crunkness and we just start singing. But I want you to catch the main thing. God commands and requires you to sing. Go to Psalms 147. We'll stop at Psalms 92. Psalms 92. Psalms 92 verse 1. It says, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord, to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to shew forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night upon the instruments of ten strings, upon the psaltery, upon the harp, with a solemn sound. For thou, Lord, has made me glad through thy works. I will triumph in thy works, in the works of thy hand. O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. So this is a psalm. He said, is it a good thing? 
to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto his name. So singing praises is what? It's good. And by good, he means it's a virtuous thing. It is a thing that reflects the character and the quality that God desires for us to have. Singing. Singing unto God is being godly. It is something that God delights in. Thank you, Psalm 89 said it's good and it's a pleasant thing. Go. It's Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 6. I'll let you know it ain't just David telling you. It says, in the transgression of an evil man, there is a snare, but the righteous don't do what? Sing and rejoice. In the transgression of an evil man, there is a snare, but the righteous sing and rejoice. This is a quality of being righteous. This is a quality of godliness. The righteous people sing. Go to Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 10. I'll start at verse 8. And this is God's call to Israel. He, he calling them out and declaring himself as the one that's going to make them righteous. We're going to pick up in verse 8 in the middle of it. Say, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare before they spring forth. I tell you of them. Sing unto the Lord a new song, and his praise from the end of the earth, you that go down to the sea, and all that is therein, the owls and the inhabitants thereof. So this is God's command, and in his declaring of the new things he's going to do, and his declaring of the new covenant, and him making his people righteous, he gives this command. And the command is for everybody to sing. Go, Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 20. Chapter 20. Jeremiah 20. Verse 11. It says, But the Lord is with me as a mighty, terrible one. Therefore, my persecutors shall stumble, and they shall not prevail. They shall greatly, they shall be greatly ashamed, for they shall not prosper. Their everlasting confusion shall be forgotten. But, O Lord of hosts, that tries the righteous and sees the reins of the heart, let me see thy vengeance on them. For unto thee have I opened my cause. Sing unto the Lord. Praise you the Lord. For he hath delivered the soul of the poor from the hand of the evildoers. This is Jeremiah declaring the word of the Lord. So David, Moses, Jeremiah, Isaiah, all telling us to do something. Sing. And we're putting out these pictures. It's connected to God's deliverance. It's connected to God's righteousness being declared amongst his people that we as the people of God should be singing people it ain't something that we just do it is commanded go to Joel or Joel however you say it I'm country so it's Joel <laughs> Joel chapter 2 verse 21 says, Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. This is a command. Tell them, don't be afraid 
Instead, be happy and rejoice. Now, that word rejoice there means to scream aloud with glee. Make a noise, a sound of triumph. He's commanding his people to open up their mouth, to declare, to sing, to shout. Over and over again, we get these mad commands throughout all the scripture. Let's go to the New Testament. Like I said, we can play this game pretty much with every book. But I got something in mind why we got to take this journey. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 12. Start reading at verse 11. These are the famous Beatitudes. It said, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So he's talking about the people who be reviled, the people who have evil spoken against them because of their connection to God, because of their relationship with God. So when people persecute you, when they mistreat you, when they be mean to you, he's telling you to rejoice. And once again, it is a command. God's expectation of his people when they are mistreated, when they are misused, abused, talked about, put down, just because they're connected to God, just because they declare the name of Jesus, is for them to sing, to rejoice, to lift up their voice with glee and gladness, to be happy and use their mouths to declare it. That's deep, man. God don't want you to feel far, sorry for yourself because people talked about you. They put a bad comment on your Facebook page. <laughs> so when you see it, you should just start singing. That's what he's telling you to do. This is a command. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Say, Behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this rejoice not, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in the Lamb's book of life, are written in heaven. I'm sorry. Blend the scriptures together. <laughs> so here again, God giving you power. Don't rejoice about that. But God has written your name in heaven. He knows your name. He knows your every thought. He said, for that you must rejoice. And this is Jesus talking. This is not a suggestion. It's a command. So the fact that your name is written in heaven, you're supposed to sing, lift up your voice to rejoice, to make a loud noise, to be triumphant about it. When people talk about you, you rejoice. When you think about the fact that your name is written in heaven, you rejoice. When you think about the deliverance that God has given you, you rejoice. When you go to the place that God tells you to go, you rejoice. When you eat your tithes, you rejoice. When you remember the holiness of God, you rejoice. 
Once you realize that your life has been changed and God is God and there is no other king, you rejoice. Over and over again, it is commanded of you to sing, to rejoice, to shout, to lift up your voice. Open up your mouth. Are you with me? These are commands. Go to the book of Philippians. And Paul going to get real deep with it. Watch this. Philippians chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 4. Say, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Paul repeated it twice. He's copying off David. David said it about five, six times. Paul said it twice. So rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Paul made it, got it made a little more deep. How did he make it deep? Moses told us when you go to the place, bring your tithe, bring your offerings, you eat, and you rejoice. David told us that when we remember his holiness, we rejoice. When we go through deliverance, we rejoice. Isaiah told us because of the work that God has done in us and making us righteous and because of who he is, we rejoice. Jeremiah connected it to our salvation, us rejoicing. Joel told us it's connected to us not being afraid and the work that God going to do in the land that we rejoice. Jesus said when they persecute us, we rejoice. When we think about the fact that our name is written in heaven, we rejoice. And Paul said you always rejoice. That should be the modus operandi of the believer. Shouting, lifting up their voice, declaring who God is, exalting praises to God with their voice, with their sound, rejoicing. Always. And he said, you do it in the Lord. That's it. So you rejoice in the Lord always. And he amped it up. He said, again, on top of that, I'm telling you, to rejoice, to lift up your voice, to open up your mouth, to shout triumphantly in God. Do it repeatedly. Why? In the Lord. That's, 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 that's it. That's all the reason you need. Because you're in Jesus. And you do it in the Lord. So at what point in time is a Christian not in Christ? Is there ever a point of time that a Christian is not in Christ? That seemed to be a catch-22 type question. Like how you are, you answer that. If you are Christian, if you are born again, you are in Christ. That's all you need to rejoice. So let's say life is really hard. And things are really not going well in my life right now. Do you have a reason to rejoice? And what does God command you to do in that situation? Lift up your voice, rejoice, shout, sing, scream, all of the above. When do you do it? Always. There should never be a day that passes on this planet in your life in Christ where at some point in time you don't lift up your voice, open up your mouth, cry aloud, sing a song. Do a shout to God. Because this should be the mode of your living. Not only should it be, it is not a suggestion. It's not a, just a good, nice thing to do. It is commanded. 
God commands you to rejoice. God demands you to sing, to shout. Like I said, you could take your concordance and look up these words and all these synonyms, and you will get hundreds upon hundreds of commands to shout aloud unto the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Declare his wondrous works with a joyful sound. These are things that scripture commands you to do. Go to 1 Peter. Our people said Paul be making up new commands and stuff like that. He didn't follow what Jesus said. That was the lies that folks tell. So do the other original apostles say the same thing Peter said. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 5. Well, let me start at verse 3. It's hard to pick. Let's just read this whole little piece. Starting in verse 3. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that faded not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaven, is through manifold temptation. So we got a salvation that's ready to be revealed in the end times or in the last times. Say so in this salvation, in this faith that's going to take us to this salvation, say so right now you greatly do what? Rejoice. Peter had an adjective to it. Say you greatly rejoice. You do it with might. You do it to an umpteenth degree. Even though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaven. It's through manifold temptations. So there's some hardship that is on the people that he's talking to. Say even though right now you're in heaven through manifold temptation. And we don't under, quite understand this verse. Because when we think of manifold temptation, we think uh I'm tempted to lie on my taxes. I'm tempted to cheat on my wife, slap my children. That ain't what he's talking about. What he's talking about is people tempting you by busting you side the head, by kicking your door down and dragging you off to prison, by just robbing you of your goods on the street, police are taking your stuff. This is what he's talking about, the manifold temptation and heaviness that they're in. And he said, in that, you greatly rejoice. But he wasn't done. Verse 7. So that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perish, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love, and whom, though you now see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. This is what he's talking about. In the midst of this, in the midst of this trial, the midst of this testing of your faith, these hard times that you're going through, this God, you put your hope in him, your faith in him, even though you don't see him. And he says, even right now, you rejoice in him. How do we say it? Yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So right now, in the midst of these temptations, in the midst of this trial, in the midst of this hardship, you, the Christian, you, 
the child of God rejoice with a joy that cannot be spoken of, with a joy that can't be explained, with a joy that people cannot truly express. This is connected to our salvation, to our believing, to our redemption. So because we are redeemed, because we believe, we rejoice with a joy that is what unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of our salvation, even the salvation of our soul. So are y'all with me? You got the picture. You got enough. I got the smoke. <laughs> so we got the command. What is the command? To rejoice. To sing. To shout. To open up your mouth. To lift up your voice. And declare praises, honor, the goodness of God. But let's make this a little bit deeper. Because in doing this, we are obeying a command of God. But people tell you, man, I ain't under the law. They're stupid. Like, well, <laughs> but let's just say, I ain't under the law. Saying David giving all them commands, Moses, Isaiah, Jeremiah, we could have went to Zephaniah, Zechariah, all of them commanding you to sing to God. Even Paul, he was tripping, telling you to command, demanding that you rejoice. Jesus, see, he was talking in Matthew chapter 5, that was before he died on the cross. When, so when he demanded you to rejoice, that was the Old Testament. He talked to them Old Testament believers. So we don't got to do all this singing. Why would anybody say that? I have no idea. But let's just say, for the fun of it, people say that. But let's big this picture out. Let's make it a, a little more beautiful. Go to Exodus chapter 15. Now we're going to talk about God. Exodus chapter 15. This is right after God delivered the children of Israel through the Red Sea, drowned the Egyptians, and they get on the other side safe and sound. In Exodus 15, they began to sing, lifted up their voice unto God. They obeyed God. But in verse 2, in their song, they make a declaration about God. It says, the Lord is my strength in my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him in habitation, my father's God, and I will exalt him. This is Moses' declaration about God. All the people, this is what they're saying about him. The Lord is my strength and my song. It literally could be translated, my song is Yahweh. Ayah is the showing form here. So my song is Yah. That's my song. We understand the first part. The Lord is my strength. We got that. That means God can give me power to do stuff that I cannot do. God give me strength and power in my time of need. God help me through my struggles. God is there with me. He make a way out of no way and all that good stuff. We understand that. But Moses also declared that God was his song. So the song that I sing is Yahweh. God is my song. He is my rejoicing. He is my delight. He is the reason I lift up my voice. Y'all, you, you got that? Because we don't get that too often in the list. I'm saying God is my rock. He is my help. He is my friend. We don't never too much say, God, I thank you for being my song. 
How many times y'all heard that in, in, in the song? When the deep man get to praying and pray, it's all the most womanless father, the wheel in the middle of the wheel, <laughs> the rose of sharing, my song. <laughs> they don't say that. <laughs> but this is what God is. To Moses, he will say, God is my song. Go to Isaiah. Isaiah 12. Isaiah chapter 12, I want to start at verse 1. It said, And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me, thy anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, my God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He has also become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. And in that day shall you say, praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention that his name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord, for he have done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out, shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Beautiful chapter. It's talking about coming through the struggle after God punished the enemies, after God brought condemnation on the people. He said, in that day, this is what you're going to say. The Lord is my strength, he's my salvation, he is my song. So the thing that flow forth from my heart, the melodies that I make is Yahweh. The Lord Jehovah is my song. So Kurt Franklin was on to something when he said, what? You're the reason that I sing. <laughs> Yahweh is my song. So the song that I sing is Yahweh. Psalms 118 says the same thing. Yahweh is my song. Go to Zephaniah. Chapter 3. Zephaniah chapter 3. Zephaniah chapter 3. Now, we're talking about this command to sing. And it's more than a command. It is who God is in relation to us. Once we've been through, once we've been redeemed, once we've been saved, God becomes our song. He becomes the rejoicing of our heart. But more than that, we were created. Genesis chapter 3, in the image of God. And our salvation is a restoration of that image. Romans chapter 8 talked about us being predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Son, which is God. So we were predestined to be changed, to be conformed, to be brought back to the image of God. Ephesians 1 talked about how we were predestined to be sons of God. So our destiny as human beings, our identity as people, as men, is to reflect the nature and character and being of God. We are images of God. That's who we are. So all of our existence, all of our expressions should be filtered through the lens of who is God? How does this reflect God? How does God display these same characteristics? That's the definition of goodness, virtue. The Lord is good. So there is no standard of good outside of God, but good is a reflection of the nature of God. Y'all understand what I'm saying? 
And the Psalms told us that to sing is a what thing? A good thing. It's a good and a pleasant thing to rejoice. Now go to Zephaniah, Zephaniah chapter 3. We're going to start reading at verse 14. This is how I can see this command again, let you know I skipped some. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all the heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord hath taken away thy judgments. He hath cast out thy enemy. The king of Israel, even the Lord, is in the midst of thee. Thou shalt not see evil anymore. In that day it shall be said unto Jerusalem, Fear thou not, and to Zion let not thy hands be slack. The Lord thy God is in the midst of thee, is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. This is a description of God. So he's saying, Jerusalem, talking about their restoration, talking about them being brought back to a proper relationship with God. And he pictures this as a momentous moment. Sing, shout, lift up your voice, cry aloud, because the Lord their God is in the midst of thee. So because God is with them, because the presence of God is there, they should shout, rejoice, and sing. But then he goes into 17. said, the Lord thy God is in the midst of thee. He is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. So the picture is of a God in the middle of his people, jumping, shouting, spinning around, singing a song over his people. Y'all see that? And it used all the forms of this verb that it could. He will rejoice with joy. He will joy with singing. So he's going to rejoice with joy. That means he's going to shout with gladness. And it says he's going to joy with singing. And that word joy means to spin around in the twirl. So God, in the midst of you, going to get crunk and excited, start dancing and singing. This is what God does. Y'all understand? God get excited over you, and he start jumping, shouting, dancing, and singing. And you're supposed to be like who? You're supposed to be like the Lord. Now, are you more excitable, something more worthy to be amazed at than God? Are you sure? You sure you don't think you just a little bit on his level? No? Any of the rest of y'all, y'all think y'all like, like I'm some people should be amazed at. Don't nobody think that? They're like, people should write songs about me. So none of y'all feel like that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> he, yeah, he should. But, uh, so we, we, we tempered it down a little bit. Now, so let's make the comparison. Let's begin the transition. The Bible tells you that God comes in the midst of you, his people. And he get excited, start shouting dancing, and singing about you. Now, so since you're supposed to be like him, and he's more of something to sing about, to shout over, and to rejoice over than you are, when you get in his presence, you should do what? 
shout, dance, and sing. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And like I say, the verb that they use is one to twirl in excitement with singing. So God don't hold nothing back. He give it everything he got. Straight jabs. <laughs> that's what he that's that's what God do for you. And you're supposed to be like him. When are you in the presence of God? Oh man, this thing get a little deep now. So when you're driving down the road, can the presence of God flood your car? Yeah, it can. So that means when you're driving down the road, that's a good time for you to do what? Sing, shout, to rejoice. When you washing dishes, can the presence of God be in the kitchen? Not like is God exempt from water or something. <laughs> I don't go around them suds. <laughs> he can be in there. So that means you can wash dishes and do what? Sing. To get happy. To jump around. To shout. To dance. And triumphant sound to God. And when you do that, you are being like who? You being like God. Are y'all, you getting the picture? When I open up my voice, open up my mouth rather, lift up my voice, sing, shout, dance to the God of my salvation, I'm being like my dad. Because that's what he do over you. And there's no way in the world God should be more excited about you than you are about him. Because you can't add nothing to him. You're going to give him anything. And all you are is a piece of frustration in human skin. <laughs> so that, that, that's it. But God still get crunk about you. So why in the world don't we spend more time singing, shouting, rejoicing, and lifting up our voice to God? Why in the world don't we have more times where we just express gladness, unfiltered, unhindered, holding nothing back to the God of our salvation? Why wouldn't we? He commanded us to do it. He's supposed to be our song, the reason why we sing the bubbling forth of our heart, and it is an expression of who he is. God is a joyful God. God is a rejoicing God. God is a God full of glee and gladness, and he lives within us. So we should be the same kind of people. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? Now let's watch this. Now take this easy example to make it easier for all of the harder stuff that comes later. Go to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. Book of Ephesians, chapter 5. I think it's verse 18. I won't. Hold on. Yeah. Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 18. 
says, and be not drunk with wine wherein it's excess, but be filled with the spirit. So this is Paul commanding us to be filled with the spirit. Now watch what flows from this. It's command, be not drunk with wine wherein it's excess, but be filled with the spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, verse 19 is an explanation or unfolding of what is commanded in verse 18. So, in 18, when he tells you to be filled with the Spirit, this is what happens once you're filled with the Spirit. So you are filled with the Spirit and you begin speaking to yourselves and what? Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody into, in your heart to the Lord. So an outflow of the Spirit dwelling within, within you is songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's what the Spirit of God does within you. Are you understanding? So this is life in the Spirit. But I want you to put the full picture together because it's the same principle we're going to use going forward. God commands you to sing. God himself tells you over and over to sing, to rejoice, and he even tells you to do it in hard times. In the midst of, tri in the midst of trials, when people are mistreating you, when things are hard. Habakkuk talked about when the land is dry and desolate and the Ground does not give forth this fruit, yet I will praise the Lord. That was his declaration. Then he follows it up with a command, saying you unto the Lord in that day. So that is a command. When everything around you gives you reason to complain, gives you reason to draw back, to be sad, to be depressed, God demands, commands for you to sing, to rejoice, to shout, to lift up your voice. But God does not just command, he supplies the means for his commands. Because the spirit of God in you, be ye filled with the spirit, what the spirit produces, singing to yourselves or speaking to yourself in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. So once God commands it, his spirit supplies the reality that he commands of you. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? So this is an outflow of the spirit. So when people mistreat me, I can sing because the spirit in me, that's what he does. He sings. He rejoices. He exalts because God is in the midst of thee doing what? Joying over thee with joy, rejoicing over you with singing. So imagine the Holy Spirit inside of you. Spinning, shouting, singing praises to God. That's what he's doing because this is what God does. Imagine the Holy Spirit inside of you as a sweet melody just breezing within your body because the Lord is my song. And when you open up your mouth, that breeze, that outflow just bursts forth in song, in thanksgiving, in rejoicing, in shouting. That's what the Spirit of God produces within you. So you don't have to strain to say, I ain't going to complain, I ain't going to complain, I ain't going to complain. 
All you have to do is sit down and just think about that spirit of God that is in you and allow him to burst forth and to manifest himself through you because he is a God of joy. He is a God of rejoicing. He is a God that's seen the God in the midst of you does what? Joy, rejoice over you with singing. So God in your belly, the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you is just twirling. He's singing. He's twirling. He's singing. He's twirling. He's singing. And all you got to do is just let him out. Just let him out. Let God be God through you. So when you're complaining, when you're down, when you're sad, when you're mad, just say, God, be God. And watch the song, verse 4. Are you, are you understanding what I'm saying? This is what God produces. Galatians chapter 5 said the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy. That's part of the fruits of the Spirit. God demands you to joy. God tells you to rejoice always and at all times when he say, I'm inside of you and I am joy. God demands you to sing, lift up your voice, sing praises unto the Lord your God. The Lord is your praying, sing praises unto his name. But he tell you the Holy Spirit inside of you going to cause you to sing. Romans chapter 14 is talking about the spirit, the, the kingdom of God. We live in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is in us. Jesus tells us. And Paul tells us that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and what? Joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what you get for being a citizen of this kingdom. Psalms chapter 40. Look at this. Psalms chapter 40. Psalms chapter 40. We're going to start reading that verse 1. Say, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the name of the Lord. I shall trust in the Lord. I, I, you, you see in the flow there. This is David. He said he waited patiently for God. So he was in this time. He was tarrying in the presence of the Lord. And it said the Lord heard my cry. So in the midst of his prayer, God inclined his ear. He heard him. And in hearing his prayer, he brought him up out of the miry clay, out of a horrible pit, set his feet upon a rock and established his goings. So now God, now David is in a, a sound place, an established place. He out of this pit. He out of this heaviness. He's out of this hard times. But in lifting him up, in establishing him, in verse 3, he said, he put a new song in my mouth. This is what God did in restoring, in, in restoring David. He brought him from one place, put him in another. He established him, rooted and grounded him. And he said, he put a new song in my mouth. What kind of song was it, David? He said, a praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. So because of the song that God put inside of David, said people are going to fear. It's going to bring terror to some folks, and it's going to cause them to trust in God. You, you, see, you see the picture? So God's salvation is connected to a song. 
God's restoration is connected to him putting a song in the mouth of his people. But who put the song there? God. Who gave you joy and rejoicing? God. So all of this is an outflow of your salvation. And it said, because of this song, many shall trust in the Lord. Y'all see the picture? Like people ask the question, like they want to be used for God and they want to bear testimony and witness and all that good stuff, which is great. You should. But one way you can do it is by singing. By being a happy person that open up your mouth, sing praises and rejoice to the Lord of your salvation. Because David said that would happen to him. And because of God did that to him, many shall see you. Many shall trust in the Lord. So him being changed and him having a new song all coalesces to him being a new person. They all go together. So God commands it. God demands it. It is a part of the nature of God. But God supplies the resources for it. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? So you have the ability to manifest God in your life in one simple way. Sing. That's all you got to do. If you want to release God in your home, you want to release God through your being. Just say, I want to show God to the world. Sing. But you got to remember the song. He told you to sing at the remembrance of his name. To sing at the remembrance of his holiness. To sing with the understanding. So when you open up your mouth and you sing this song, and God is your song, it is a pouring forth of your being, all that's inside of you, but it is also connected to your intellect. So you sing songs that mean something to you, that reflects your rejoicing, that reflects your memory, that reflects what it is that you're going through, that reflects your joy and your salvation and your gladness about God. As you read Moses' song in 15, he came across the Red Sea and he starts singing. Like the first seven verses of the song, he talked about God defeating the Egyptians because that's what he was happy about. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So this song should be real. It should be genuine. But understand that it's an expression of the Holy Spirit within you. So don't be ashamed to lift up your voice. Don't be ashamed to shout, to cry aloud, to open up your mouth. And especially when you happy, sing. And when you're in times of heaviness, sing. Because God made you a promise. He said he gave you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Who gave you a garment of praise? God did. And you're starting to see the picture. This is a part of your salvation. God gives you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So let's think about this for a little bit. As we shut down. Let's put it in our mind. So let's just say you wake up and you just down. You just got one of them days, as folks say. Well, you be like, I'm mad about something. And your husband or folks around you say, what's wrong? 
You say, I don't know. I'm mad about something. <laughs> Anybody ever been like that? Like, something. You can't even think of what it is you're upset about. You're just mad or frustrated about something. Let's say you wake up like that one day. You got one of them somethings. And it pop in your mind that, hey, I'm mad right now. I ain't quite happy. Why? I don't know. This is what you can do. You can imagine yourself going to a place like, see, we don't get this too much often, but just imagine you up north somewhere. And everywhere up north, they got the coat rooms because it's always cold. So you go to the restaurants, you go to church. You got people that'll take your coat and hang it up. You get the little ticket and you come back. But let's imagine we done that. And when you come back, you get a folks your ticket and they give you the wrong coat. Do you put it on? <laughs> That's the answer I was expecting. So you're going to steal them for a coat. <laughs> <laughs> just try it on see how it feels if it's nicer I, I was expecting that else. if it's nicer you would put it on but what if it's worse <laughs> what if you just brought a new coat brand new one you've been eyeing for a long time and it's just a part of your outfit you really didn't want to take it off <laughs> so you just wore that thing all throughout the restaurant because you would fly when you had it on it's all go with the shoes, the pants, all all that stuff is all part together. You open up the inside, it coordinate with your belt, all all that type stuff. Saying you a fly, you really didn't want you a man when they told you you take your jacket off. Then you come back and they give you another jacket. Now this jacket is a little damp. It got like it been hanging in the closet for a long time. It don't quite stink, but it don't smell good either. You you know that smell. It's like it been closed up all winter. You like it smell funny. <laughs> and that's the jacket that they give you. How long do you wear it? You ain't putting it on. Why not? <laughs> yeah. How long you gonna stay there before you get the right jacket? You're going to get your jacket. The people behind you ready to go. The valet and pull their car around. They huffing out there honking. You holding up all the line. You ain't going to move. Until you get your jacket. The one that was purchased by you. The one that fits what you wearing. That represents who you are. All that good stuff. And you don't care how long it takes. You don't care how sassy they get. If need be, you're going to go behind that counter yourself and get your jacket. Now, God bought you a jacket. He paid for it. How much he paid for it? 
His whole life. He like died. Just so you can have a coat. He like allowed himself to be humiliated. To be tortured. To be ridiculed. To be made shamed of. By people he had the power to destroy with just one word. Just because he wanted you to have a coat. That's what he did. And he tells you. Put on your coat. Put it on. He demands you. Put on the jacket. You you get in the picture. But you be hard-headed and wear that little stanky coat that don't even belong to you. That don't make sense in no world. For me to walk around with something that don't belong to me, that's less than what I have, that's less than the purchase possession that I have, it stank, ain't nothing about it that I like. It's the wrong color. It's the wrong size. Like I said, it smell bad. It look bad. Everything about it is bad, but I'm a wad just because I woke up with it in my hand. That ain't life. That ain't what Jesus died to provide. He died to give you a coat. Put it on. And he made sure it was the exact same coat that you need. He made sure that it fits you the way it's supposed to be. And he made sure that it covers you and it protects you. It is your strength. It is your salvation. It is the representation of God. All of Godness can be expressed with you wearing this coat. It identifies you as being a child of God. It identifies you as belonging to his family. It it sets you above everything around you because all the world is full of darkness. All the world is full of heaviness. All the world is full of depression, murmuring, complaining, but you can be exalted. You can be a light to the world. You can shine. You can rejoice because God has put a song in your heart. He has gave you a spirit of gladness. Put it on. You understanding what I'm saying? And you have the ability to release this God. You have the ability to release the spirit just by singing, just by lifting up your voice and rejoicing. Sing, shout, lift up your voice. Things ain't going right in my house the way they're supposed to be. Sing, shout, lift up your voice. Even if all you can do is like the old mothers in the church and say, Jesus, if that's all you can do, do it. Sing, shout, lift up your voice. You're frustrated. You're tired. Stuff ain't working. Sing. This is life in the kingdom. This is the spirit of God. This is expression of the gift of God that's inside of you. God can work through it. God can bring salvation through it. God can change atmospheres through it. All you got to do is use it. Lift up your voice. Open up your mouth. Sing, shout, rejoice. God commands it. God demands it. And God is it inside of you. Uh, you, 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 you get what I'm saying? So let's continue with this coat. Let's just say you got this new coat. You're wearing it. You're sporting it. You're fresh. You fly. 
and some folk around you a little dirty. And they trying to come up to you, give you a hug with your new coat on. You don't want no dirt on your coat. You don't want that, dude. You don't want no stains on your coat. Because you ain't never planning on taking this thing off. Because it's a part of your fit. You, You fresh. But folks trying to get dirt on your coat. And sometimes you have to brush it off. Sometimes you have to stick your hand out and give them a handshake when they try to give you up. <laughs> Make things a little awkward. Yeah, how you doing? <laughs> you done it before? Yeah, that creepy dude just come up. Yeah, you did it all right. <laughs> no, we, we ain't going there right now. Because you're trying to protect your coat. Now, we live in a world, like I said, darkness, heaven is all the way around. And how many of you have been around people who just suck? And what I mean by that is they sucking the life out of the room right now. They sucking the life out of the room at the moment. Anybody of y'all ever been around people like that? It's like, man. And it started to get on you. You start to feel bad. You start to, coat start to get a little dirty. But with your regular coat, you won't let that happen. You protect that thing. You, 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 you keep them up off you. How in the world could you do that with your spiritual coat? How in the world can you protect yourself for being sucked into this life of heaviness, for being sucked down this road and down this pit of, ah, Now, the Lord, your God, is your strength, your song, and your salvation. That's what he is. And when you allow it to be released, it is a manifestation of who God is. So it works the same way. Who is your defense and your protection, your strength, your rock, your strong tower? God. So just like it can defeat the evilness of darkness inside of you. It can defeat the evilness and darkness around you. Because David told you, he put a new song in my mouth. Many shall see it in fear and begin to trust in their Lord. So you, when you're in those situations and you're around those people, you lift up your voice. Because they're going to talk. They're going to tell you how bad things are. They're going to tell you how messed up stuff is. They're going to tell you every reason you got to be mad, to be shamed, to be down. They're going to talk. You take your turn. You talk. You declare the goodness of God. You declare your love and devotion to God. You declare the greatness of God. You open up your mouth and shout and do not let them overpower you. Because David said God calls him to rejoice over his enemies. That means we went into a battle. And when the battle was over, I was the one shouting and singing, they won. 
And so when you make a compact with darkness and y'all interact, you should be the one lifting up your voice, declaring, saying, speaking, singing, rejoicing, whatever you got to do, make it known. Either they're going to get with it or they're going to get gone. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? Don't allow people to create the atmosphere for you. Because your atmosphere is the presence of God. Your atmosphere is the very nature of God that surrounds you, that envelops you, that dwells within you. And it should flow forth from you as rivers of living water. A stream of praises and joy and gladness and salvation. Do not let people make you sad. You rejoice. Why? Because God lives in you. And he's a joy and a rejoicing God. Do you understand? Anybody got any questions? Go ahead. Make a statement. Testify, girl. We've been talking about lifting up, open up your mouth. That was good. (laughs) That was good. And I mean, so confirmational. Last week, I got a chance to sit at ASU, and they were focused. They were honoring the Gratz family, but they were talking about the spiritual movement of nonviolence. And and this, and it just awakened, you know, like my senses, you know, and just like taking me back to like, you know, no, we don't know like what happened in the Bible, but as people, we know the challenges of our people here, and song was so much part of that deliverance. <laughs> and so hearing last week historians talk about um that spirit, that spirituality. And essentially what one lady said that we couldn't be philosophers so saying our manifest you know, talking about they they lifted and just saw powerful So it had me reflecting on that week about that. So this any other questions? All right. Stay all yours, Apostle.